If you're using a payroll company, most likely everything's going to work out. But one of the things that we see is that companies that run into cash flow problems sometimes tap their payroll taxes and say, I'll pay it later. That is one of the worst things that you can do. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in, in the industry, and we take you to the front lines of those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn. And with me is the ever-present, ever-looking, and ever-knowledge-expanding in the realm of all things accounting, Mr. Dan Gordon. Raining from the north, I have to bring that up yet again in our episode here. He is in Jersey, back where he belongs. And with that, Dan, say hello, introduce our topic, and let's get rolling. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Dan Gordon, PCO bookkeepers, PCO m specialists. And uh, when you say I belong in New Jersey, is that because I have a bad attitude or like, why would you? You got Jersey. You got Jersey all over you, Dan. Just don't, you know, you just got to embrace it, man. It's you all good. Are, no, I, I definitely embrace it. <laughs> What's really funny is when Dan gets angry, that's when it all comes out. So, Which is kind of funny. I was watching TV the other night and uh, saw my cousin Vinny. For anybody, Joe Pesci, the two youths. I know that's that right. That's the two youths. Like, thing, but what? It could be a New Jersey. It could be. It could be. Yep. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, great to be here. And um, our sponsors, uh, Colmarch by Workwave for digital marketing. Visit them at colmarch.com as well as our new sponsor, Pestsure. If you are looking for uh, general liability, workers' comp, um, auto, whatever else you uh, have in your business, give them a call. Uh, they are specific to the pest industry, and um, we have lots of clients that use them. So anyway, so yep. uh, today what we're going to talk about is... Uh, um, areas of exposure for tax audits or hang on, hang on for all of our listeners. If you don't have a seatbelt on boy, you better put one on. Cause this is going to be man. Yeah. yeah. So Donnie wanted to name this the top 10 ways to get audited as a to, you know, to avoid it. That so, is true. Top 10 ways to get audited. Yes. Yeah. So yep. there's, there's so many aspects to an audit and so many different things that you can be audited on. So we're just going to, pick a few today, but um, in a tax audit, there's several common risks that businesses should be aware of. Um, they usually are, uh, revolve around um, potential errors or things that you do on purpose uh, in the collection reporting and uh, remittance of taxes <laughs> or filing returns. Um, I actually had a client that we went through an audit and he owed the government about $250,000. And I thought that, well, he won't be a client for much longer. And we talked about it and I said, are, are, are you happy with, you know, I mean, I, I paid a lot of money. He goes, oh no, Dan, it was great. Had I done everything right, I would have owed a million dollars. So I was like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, well, hang on. Before we before we get into this, just a few in. things. It. Yeah, I was going to say a few things to just talk about before we get into this. Number one is, I know for me personally, I've been through a couple of audits. Actually, I think I had four in one year. It was right at my 10-year mark. And I remember Dan saying that, you know, the 10-year mark is in a certain revenue. Like, it's pretty common to get one. I had a use tax audit. I had a... Um, 
workers comp audit. I had a federal audit and workers I had a state comp, audit. You're automatically get it. workers comp you get every year. So. Yeah. Well, long story short, I just remember thinking, my gosh, man, what in the world did I do? But, but, you know, the reality of it is this, is that number one is that just realize there may be some things that are going to, going to kick off an audit that you may or may not have any, maybe I did something that year that, that got me targeted. I don't know. I think it was just the number of the time I'd been in, been in business. Number two is I would say, you know, look, most business owners or entrepreneurs, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're not the risk adverse type. This is one area where I personally, like if, if you ever fly with me, like people make fun of me all the time because outside of an airplane in you know, side by side, a car, whatever, I am all adrenaline, all about the risk. But once I get buckled in, it's like, I'm totally different, right? I'm Mr. Safety. I would say this is one of those areas of your business where, you know, you can take risk and you can take the chance and you can roll the dice. This is not one area that I would, that that's, <laughs> that's for that, because I can tell you right now, if there's anything that puts you out of business in a hurry, it's the IRS. And so with that, though, my disclaimers are out. I just, <laughs> I don't, not to say I don't take any risk at all, but I don't mess around when it comes to this because I've seen people screw this up and get behind and then they get into a place where they can't afford their taxes. And then they're in this freaking, they're in like this death spiral, right? And they can't get out. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the expert. I am not a tax expert. We're, so. uh, we're going to discuss three types of tax audits today. We're going to do income tax audits, payroll tax audits, and sales and use tax audits. There are other ones you could have, you know, um, we've seen pension fund or 401k audits. Um, usually, uh, if you've got a 401k, you probably have a third party administrator who's doing any tax work. So they're usually responsible for it. We don't see a ton of that, but 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 we do. Uh, but, but the three that I mentioned, those are the biggies. So an income tax audit is basically... Um, there's really three ways that you can get audited. Number one is when you submit your tax return, uh, you know, uh, on that tax return, you identify yourself with, uh, um, you know, a, a business classification. So they kind of, you know, your business classification is lawn care or pest control, right? And so they keep stats and ratios on certain things on the P&L of your um you know, of your income tax return. And uh, if your numbers uh, stray too far from those that you can get an inquiry. Uh, the second kind uh, would be, so So that's just a, a computer generated, hey, you know, your numbers don't look right. Let's, let's go check them out. Uh, the second type is you could have a whistleblower, somebody who turns you in, usually an ex-employee who, uh, you know, you're probably pretty good friends with. And, um, the third one is just a random, random audit. And uh, random audits are somewhat rare. And, um, you know, because the IRS is so stretched, it's it's kind of interesting. If I were running a government, the, the you know, I would want, uh, like in business, my salespeople, those are my revenue generators. I don't understand it. And, you know, I might get shot for saying this, but the IRS should have more agents out there. I mean, it just, <laughs> it makes sense, right, to, to keep everyone in compliance yeah. for for those of you who are doing things a little right, you know, but, um, well, so there's, like, hang on, before you get into that, I mean, there's, there's been a bit of a political fight over this as well. Right. I mean, um, who was it that put in all the, that was going to beef up the IRS? Was that Obama or was that Biden or then, and then Trump like 
there has been there's been back and forth about how they're going to increase revenue for the government by doing by you know basically making an army of IRS agents. But isn't that gotten kind of caught up in the courts now? I mean, I don't know if you're well, keeping up with that. Eighty thousand new agents yeah. that are going to come yeah. in over time, and maybe they can answer their phone. That would be the first thing. Like so, that would be a IRS, yeah, it would be a good start. Yes, <laughs> the IRS publishes statistics, and probably ten percent of the phone calls get answered. The other people they just keep you on. Uh, hold for that long and whatnot, but but uh, and I do believe that these eighty thousand uh, agents, the first thing they'll be tasked with is going after this ERC thing, but that's a whole different ballgame. So, um, but anyway, uh, so what is it that you're looking for in a, in a income tax audit? It's the completeness of uh, income recorded or reported, um, you know, from revenues, um, from uh, deductions and expenses. Are they legitimate? Uh, is your revenue truly what you're reporting? Now, if you're using a CRM, an industry CRM, and you're using QuickBooks and you're reconciling your bank statement, most likely your revenue is going to be right. Um, obviously, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, back in the day, everybody used to put cash in their pocket, people just don't spend yeah. cash anymore. Cash is just yeah. not a really thing anymore. Um, although, you know, that... that um, you know, uh, for those that do, let me just give you a uh, a pointer on how uh, an audit can come about. So let's say that I have $100 that I deposit in the bank and my uh, chemical costs are 10%, right? And that's the industry average. I'm just making this up to keep uh, everything. So let's say that now that 50% um, of the revenue I, is cash and I, I, I put that in my pocket. Well, that 10% becomes 20%, right? And that's an immediate flag, right? So that, you know, the, the, the cash isn't as big a thing as it used to be, but it used to be that, that, that they would kind of do a, a, you know, just a, a gut check on, on things like that. So, so I have a question and this is more for our listeners too. I know the answer to this question, but I think it's important to, to say it. So first of all, if I had to do my own tax return, it would be a freaking disaster. Like I think I might could sign it maybe, but I mean, there's no way now I feel like as a business owner, I just, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I could not do it. I could not pull it off. Right. So you use an accountant who use someone else to do your, your return for you. And then something is discovered. Let's just say that, you know, oh, you misstated your income. Oh, you underreported this or whatever. Let's just say an accusation comes out from the IRS. Who's poning up? Who's responsible in that case for the return? So here's an interesting one. We as a firm, PCO bookkeepers, if we screw something up, any penalties and interest will pay. You're, you are going to pay the taxes anyway, but we'll, we'll take care of that. And most, uh, you know, a lot of firms will do that. So that's the way that. But if you forget to give me something on your, you know, yeah. business return I'm working on I, and, and I'm using your QuickBooks, I'm using your CRM and your payroll. So most likely we're not going to forget anything. But on your personal return, if you forget to give me, a, a you know, an investment account, the 1099, I don't know about it. So I bring this point up because you, you're absolutely correct, right? In the case of PCO, and I'm going to give you a shameless plug here and you can give me money afterwards, but you guys are controlling, you're very involved in the process. So it's not hard. Well, I should rephrase that. It's going to be difficult for someone to misstate something if they're following the program, right? 
if you are like, some people have this thing in their mind, like, well, I don't record this. I don't do that. And I don't really prepare my taxes. So if something goes wrong, I'll just blame X accountant. Doesn't work that way. Well, <laughs> like it ended So it, it's funny because, you know, we've uh, had several marketing agencies that we work with. And the first thing they do is go, oh, well, you know, when you bring in your shoebox, nobody does that. <laughs> Shoeboxes aren't really a thing. Right? <laughs> Everything is on QuickBooks from a business perspective, right? But your personal stuff, because you don't keep ledgers and things. But from a business perspective, I go into your QuickBooks. And, uh, you know, obviously, I want to substantiate things. The, uh, you know, your revenue needs to tie out to your bank statements. You know, if you're accrual base, it might not, but you've got to be able to reconcile to get there. Right. So that's and and one one shameless plug here uh, because I'm just full of them today. But I will say this, and this is more of just a thing I've learned over the years. And Dan, you might disagree with me on this. I don't know. Years ago, probably about ten years ago, I decided that I was going to run my household on QuickBooks, and and I was going to treat it like a business. And so, legitimately, I run my personal finances on QuickBooks online. And I have statements that are reconciled every month by a bookkeeper and it's managed just like a business. And the reason I do that is, is because there's too much crap going on. Right. And I can't keep up with it all. And I'm afraid, you know, I'm, I, I do fear doing something like what you just said, like I'm misstate something, I forget something or whatever that way when it's return time, it's very simple, right? You, you pull the reports, everything's super clear. The books are tight and I'm not doing some freaking, you know, trying to figure out three different variations of what's going on when it's time to do the return. So you, you I don't know what you're joy, You must be a joy to live with, but, uh, and I'm sure your wife is happy about that too, but, but it's, it's not a bad idea to be the same. I, all my personal stuff. Yeah. Well, I only had to learn one piece of software. I don't want to learn anymore, you know, cause I was used to, I used to use like mint and I used to use some of these other, yeah, it was just like, I just couldn't keep up with it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get a QuickBooks. I'll just pay the money, whatever. I don't care. So anyway, I'm getting us off track. Right. So let's keep rolling. Yeah. All right. So, so that's revenue, right? So if, if the, 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 the way an audit works is uh, you usually, you know, there's a statute of limitation for three years an auditor will come in and say, I'm going to audit you for these three years. And they'll pick a sample period. They'll want to look at a couple of months. And they'll say, okay, show me all the revenues and show me and your bank statements and whatnot, and they'll tie that out. If it ties out, great. If it doesn't tie out, they'll expand the audit, they'll expand the sample size to more months or maybe the possibly the three-year period, or they'll do an interpolation whereby um, you know, if if you have a 10% error rate in one year, they'll apply a 10% error rate to all three years just so that they don't have to go through. You can say, well, I don't want to do that. I want you to audit all three years. So you have that choice. The other are uh, deductions and expenses. And, um, you know, uh, there are certain things that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that are ordinary necessary for your business, the fuel, um, you know, the, the chemicals, the, you know, your advertising, your rent, whatever. But there are some things that are not so obvious, like, um, uh, um, you know, um, uh, your depreciation. So uh, a lot of people, you know, your vehicles can be depreciated and, and, and uh, your equipment can be depreciated. You can use accelerated depreciation, which gets you more of a, of a uh, deduction up front. And that's fine as long as you follow the rules. And then um, 
things like uh, a lot of people have uh, their office, they, they buy a building and they keep it in, in an LLC outside of it. And so, uh, you know, uh, real estate, the, the, the building itself, the, the number of years that you depreciate things over can be 28, it could be, uh, you know, 40 years. So you don't get that much of a bang for the buck. There are, and these are totally legitimate, but there are companies, engineering firms out there that do um, these studies. Um, and what happens is they say, well, your building is not really, uh, you know, all that money that you paid for, it's not for a building. Some of it might be carpet. Some of it might be. Uh, these you know, are called cost studies, there. by the way. I just had one done. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Keep going. So, yeah. So, so they break up the, um, you know, uh, they they break up the um, all the assets. So they're actually called cost segregation studies, right? So they're segregating the assets. Okay, this is a building. You know, the walls are the building, so that is a twenty eight or forty years or whatever. But the carpet, uh, you know, some of the, the the things that wear out quicker. You can depreciate them if you can show that their useful life is less than that. You can depreciate that over time. So, okay, hang on. I gotta have a little fun here. Yeah. If you are watching us on YouTube, great. If you're not, then you should probably flip over here because I'm gonna make Dan turn red a little bit here. Let's have some fun. <laughs> so, so let's talk about these deductions and expenses because boy, do I see some liberties taken here. Let's talk through what what you would consider to be over the line, close to the line, and well within the line. So things I've seen people do. Let's start with phones, okay? So I've got a phone, family has a phone, it all ran through the business. That's something pretty small, but where do you say? What do you say? On the line, inside the line, over the line? Officially, you can't do that. Unofficially, okay. people do it absolutely. Okay, phone, so next one. Not a big deal. Okay. Phone. And not a lot of money. I mean, I don't. I don't think an IRS agent is going to run you off to prison over a, a uh, Verizon account. You will add it back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about vehicles because this one is where it gets kind of fun. You know, you've got the which I would never do this. You've got the big monster truck, four by four, diesel lifted. Have you ever seen Donnie's truck, by the way? Like, and have you ever met me? I'm I'm not exactly the tallest guy. <laughs> I needed a rope ladder to get into that stupid thing, but, uh, but, but, but go. by the way, I had lots of comments and I took Dan to the airport, in my truck, but let's just talk about that. Right. So you got a truck and let's just, I, I realized, okay, there are service vehicles and then there's vehicles that you drive. I know that's a, that's a funky line there. And, and by the way, I'm just having some fun here because look, at the end of the day, these are what operators are doing, right? They're, what can I run through the business? And you should, right? I mean, absolutely. If it's legal to run it through the business and why wouldn't you, right? I mean, I, I mean, you absolutely should, but it is kind of, you know, you need to pay attention as to what actually is being ran through the business because let's face it, you know, the, the new deck probably hard to justify that, you know, on the PL or that as a business expense. But so going back to vehicles, where do you personally like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to draw the line on that one. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's like, like, is it a hundred thousand dollar, you know, luxury car? Like, okay, well, we're not putting that on. Uh, so I mean, like, you you got to be careful because there are uh, limitations on, on uh, personal vehicles, like on cars and things, but your, you know, your trucks that have termite rigs and stuff that, that that's clearly, but, you know, there's also a limitation on like SUVs, right? But I had somebody, have you seen this new Lamborghini SUV? So, yeah. 
you know, I've had people, all right, well, I, you told me I should get an SUV. Well, yeah. $300,000. Right. Know. right. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, that, that's where that, uh, falls there. There's a, um, you know, another thing, uh, for, uh, the convenience of an employee, if you let them take the truck home and if it's just, you know, for the convenience uh, of you, uh, then it's deductible. But if it's, if you're letting your, uh, your truck out there for personal reasons, you have to W-2. It's still deductible. You still have to W-2. It's deductible as wages, right? Uh, so so you have to send the employee a, um, a tax uh, document that says that you've given them that. Um, and, you know, the operators... are doing that? Not a yeah, I, and that's exactly what I was going to go yeah, to. I mean, I've seen audits where it's come up. Uh, I've been involved with a lot of audits, and it's usually not a big item. I'll tell you where the big items are. The big items: travel and entertainment, ten ninety nines. You know, my 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 college kid is a uh, an employee of voice talent. And, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. So, so I, I will tell you from an operator's perspective. You know, obviously Dan has the the accountant perspective. This is an area where I've been very like, I don't know what happened. I'm not that smart of a guy. If you spend any time with me, you'll realize that early on, I decided I'm not going to mix business and personal and, and I haven't firewalled off. Like I don't, I don't share expenses. Now, do I run my phone through uh, the business? Yes, I do. Do I run my truck through the business? Yes, I do. I do use it for business. I use the phone for business. So I'm not telling you that I'm like, you know, I don't do anything, but what I am saying is this is something I don't mess around with. Like, I just, I did. Well, I don't I mean, want if you have an airplane, why would you run that for the business? <laughs> <laughs> Which I use for the business, just yes. so you know, and I use for other purposes as well. But point I'm making is, is that this is just an area I decided that I don't want to, I want to be able to sleep at night and some people can do it. No problem at all. I just didn't want to be like concerned, like, Oh my gosh, what if, you know, if I get an audit and they, they decide all these things don't apply. And then I, you know, I just, so anyway, Enough of that. Any more things with deductions and expenses you want to talk about so, before we so go? On the tax credit side, it, it, we'll, 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 uh, tax, so ERC is everybody's heard of that, right? But before ERC and concurrently, there are other credits that you can get. You can get uh, research and development credits. Um, I see a bunch of people who do irrigation talking about how they're researching water flow movement. Well, <laughs> and they, you know, and they take them right. So uh, those kinds of things. There are um, uh, uh, like uh, job creation incentives. There are certain uh, uh, neighborhoods in, in disadvantaged uh, areas where, if you hire those people, you can get a jobs credit. So you know that's an abused area. Like, does this guy really live in an, in, in one of those areas? Where you're taking the credit, so those those things, um, you know, um, are, are big things. Worker classifications. So one of the things that first things that you do is consultants. If you have a line item called consultants, your IRS auditor is going to dig right in there. Who is this 1099 person? Well, right. If you send 1099 to PCO bookkeepers because we do your accounting work, that's fine. But if you have a guy, and and you know when you're growing your business. You're just trying to do whatever you can to 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 you know to grow to to you know to to tread water and and so some guy who you think is the greatest thing since sliced bread who's going to run your business he says well but I want to be a 1099 and you say yes 
that's a problem, right? right. So, and there are specific rules. Remember, we had Gene C right on, and we were talking about what's a 1099, what's a W-2. So those are some of the- And that definition is changing. You, you may want to pay oh, attention oh, to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you- companies, listen up, because yep. there's, uh, you know, we, we can probably do a- uh, uh, you know, a whole episode a on, that. on that. Yeah. yeah so, 100%. So that's, yeah. So that's um, one of the things um, now. Pay- so hang on. So deduction and expenses and then tax credits and incentives, just these are areas that if you want to sign up for an audit, like start abusing these areas, or I shouldn't say sign up for an audit, but the reality of it is, is that if you start getting out of line, I, I mean, for, for me, the deductions and expenses, yes. And when we talked about the earlier tax credits and incentives, here's what I'll say. I'm a big picture guy. And if I am going to go and, you know, do one of these credits, you're almost like you have to, you have to look at it from a big, big picture perspective. Like, okay, is the potential reward worth the risk of someone going through the entire business? Is this $30,000 that I might, might potentially save or whatever, and, and it might be right. I mean, it may be that it absolutely makes sense. To but but you know, you got old time accountants who want every penny. Yeah, they're gonna they're 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 gonna get you to do all this stuff. And listen, the uh, the the R and D for the for the irrigations, I thought that that was kind of creative. But there's a bunch of guys who are doing it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, so so uh, so. Point being is that if you're gonna delve in that realm. You better make sure that you got all your hatches button, you know, battened down and ready to go because it could very well turn into being something that you traded pennies for dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or should I say, you traded dollars? I mean, it just legitimately, you're going to get your punishment, or you know, the potential downside of it is going to be so severe it was not even worth. Which is one of the reasons. And and by the way, I'm not I'm not judging anyone here. One of the reasons I stayed very away from the ERC credit. I'm like, it's just what we could potentially get out of it versus what could it, what it could potentially turn into. Just didn't make sense to me. Now I know we'll this. I, we'll yeah, I was going to say I've seen folks who've done very well with it, and they may be, you know, and it may be great. Just for me, it was just like mm, I wasn't willing to go there. So all right, next audit. Right. Let's keep rolling. Next one. Uh, so payroll. Uh, if you're using a payroll company, most likely everything's going to work out, but. One of the things that we see is that companies that run into cash flow problems sometimes tap their payroll taxes and say, I'll pay it later. That is one of the worst things that you can do. That and that sales tax trying to, um, uh, you know, to, to hold on to that money longer than you should. So an income tax audit, you basically declare how much you make. So the government, you know, there's a give and take. Payroll taxes, that's not your money. It never was your money. And the I have a story here, Dan, I need to tell. This was, this happened many, many years ago. Um, This was before I started Triangle. But if you were in the Raleigh area and you were around probably 20 years ago, I know you know the story. So there used to be in Raleigh, there was this big payroll group called the Castleton Group. Did you, did you ever hear them, Dan? It was a, it no, was a, but are you telling me they absconded with all the payroll taxes? So here's what happened. Here's what happened. Yeah. So at the time I worked for a startup and I was writing software. And so it was a fun job. You know, I would, we'd work like crazy hours Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday, we just shut off the curtains and played doom all day. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> the video game, but the rep for them, the guy, I, I couldn't stand the guy. He was such a putz, but he would come in and they were doing our payroll. And somehow, some way we ended up switching companies fast forward two years 
and the IRS came in and shut them down. And as it turns out, what they were doing was they were doing everyone's payroll, collecting everyone's payroll taxes, but was not actually paying the IRS their payroll taxes. And guess who got stuck with the bill? You, so yes, the client, the, the right? company and, did. That's one hundred percent. And oh, by the way, I hear all these times when you know we go in for a new client. Uh, who's your payroll company? Oh, it's a local guy. You know, I, yeah. I don't the local guy. You, you got to make sure. So, like an ADP or a paychecks, I know they're difficult to deal with, or a Heartland or something. Mm -hmm. But they're not. You know, they're not going to divert your. That's well, you're I've going right it. to the point I was going to make. You're going right. I, is, which, I was have my... seen several uh, payroll companies go under, and when they start to go under, uh, they they take uh, you know they take the payroll taxes. taxes. Yeah, and yeah. So that that's the point I wanted to make here is that if you're using the local guy and you you know you guys are buddies and you go to church together and yada yada, hey, that's great. Ask for nine forty ones. Ask for physical evidence that you know your payroll taxes got paid. Well, Number the, two, FTPS that make sure that they prove that your payroll taxes yes. paid because mm -hmm. um, we've seen it where. Uh, and by the way, you could probably get out of the penalties because it's not your fault and you depend. You on won't it. get out but of the you tax. You can't get at the tax. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's your responsibility. Yeah. And same with the interest. So. There was a massive uproar after they went out because I mean, literally several businesses in Raleigh went out of business because they could not afford to pay all the back taxes. And so my point out of telling that story is this, is that use a big, I, I mean, for us, we use paychecks. I mean, I don't mind name dropping. They're not great. I, I put payroll companies in the same category as I put uniform companies. It's all, they all suck. It's who sucks the least. Right. And so I would say go with a larger company and just be aware that no matter who processes your payroll, you're responsible for paying your payroll taxes, period, dot. So right. just be aware of that. And remember, you're like with income taxes, you uh, kind of uh, disclose to the government how much you're making and you, you, you pay the taxes off of that. Payroll taxes, never your money. You withheld it from your employees. So they're, they're coming after you. Same with sales tax, right? You charge your customers. Don't be withholding that. And I know in some states, uh, pest control or, or lawn care is not a sales taxable thing. But along with sales tax go use tax. A use tax is you paying the sales tax. So if, let's say you're buying products out of state and they're shipping them in. And maybe that company mm. uh, who's selling you does not collect taxes. You don't really have a problem with Amazon and when you know uh, yeah they fix that but because they're they're licensed in every state. But um, there's there's something called Nexus. And what Nexus is, is um, it's having presence in a jurisdiction, right? So if you have Nexus, you might have a salesman or a technician or whatever in that territory. Now you have Nexus and you have to file in that area. One of the things that we, we used to see and um, still see is companies from New Jersey will drive into New York City with the address on their truck. And they have uh, agents running around the. Um, they they have agents running around the city looking for out of state businesses. Uh, you can tell that we are live. Hold on a second, my dog is. Uh, uh, there's a, a helicopter outside. Hold on, hold on. Well, yes, why he's having fun? I was gonna say why he's having fun with his dog. I you know. Yeah. 
the sales and use tax audit for, for me personally, when I went through all the audits that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, this was the one that I actually owed money on. And, and the reason is, and this has been a while, I mean, I'm going to date myself when I say this, but it used to be when you did online purchases, you could get out of the, the state tax because they would sell them from different states. And they would not charge tax and you could get away with it. They closed that loophole. And then the very first thing the auditor said is, says, I want your bank statements and I want to see all your online purchases. And that's exactly where he went is he went right to, I think this is for the most part, this has been a, everyone's kind of fixed it and it's not a big issue anymore, but it is one no, that we got popped no, on. It's still, it's still, still an issue. issue. Like, so, so Amazon or, you know, some of those uh, big companies that are registered in every state, they're collecting the sales tax. But if you order from some, you know, uh, smaller company that's halfway across the country, they're probably not registered in your state. That doesn't mean they can't sell to you. However, you have to pay the sales tax and they call that yeah. use tax. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, when 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 you, you know, you get that notice and if you're in a state that, that you you know, our services are taxable, they're going to, it's going to be a sales tax audit, but somebody like, you know, in a state that, uh, you know, our services are not, they say, oh, geez, what, what, what kind of a, a sales tax that they're looking for a use tax, right? So are you buying product or, you know, desks, furniture, whatever from out of state that's coming into states and they will mail you in that. That's, that's right. a big one, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Let's see um, the the uh, exemption certificates. If you're in a state where uh, your services are taxable, which is most states, uh, you know, but but there are some states where pest control and lawn care aren't. But if you're doing work for like you know churches or or, or uh, schools or some other exempt organization, you have to have a certificate on in your file because if you're not charging them uh, sales tax, then then um, you know, uh, then then you have to have proof of it. Now, during an audit, they'll usually give you some time to come up with those exemption certificates. But if you did that work two years ago and that that uh, that that customer of yours is no longer around, well, that's going to be a tough one. Okay. So, well, hang on. Before you move on, there's something I do want to say here, which is for those who are in a state like in North Carolina is one of these states, we have the service tax. The pest control industry is exempt from that. However, not all services that pest control companies provide are exempted. So you better pay attention. If you are in a, if you're in a state and I have a friend right now who's dealing with this is that he does other services other than pest control. And that was deemed as sales taxable. And now he's got a big show on his hand and I won't add the front word to that, but we all know what I'm talking about. And and now it's like is this is this huge deal because it's like well you owe you owe tax and it's like well no pest control and so there's this big gray area and when I was president of North Carolina Pest Management Association we fought this tooth and nail and I actually met with the head revenue guy in our state and we went through it and it it ended up being you know what the answer was what's that depends depends on your auditor. Yeah. So, well, so it's funny because once a, uh, a, a company gets audited and they make a bunch of money, then they target the industry. So we have a situation in Massachusetts right now going on because if you buy restricted use pesticides, you don't have, they're, they're not taxable, right? For, for um, use tax. But if mm -hmm. you buy things like bait stations and non-restricted use pesticides, those are, right? And so mm -hmm. that's a big deal. So we're working with a bunch of companies in Massachusetts 
I'm working on uh, like, um, you know, crawl space encapsulation, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That is a problem right now. Oh, yeah. And you, yep. you're, you're be prepared because that's coming. Um, it absolutely just make is. Sure that you're paying sales tax or use tax on the materials that you're buying. Uh, North Carolina is going to be uh, all over. Well, and, and the problem is, is that at least in this state, and and I and I put this disclaimer out is because it's a gray area. And like most things where there's a gray area, like I would much rather it be like all services are taxed or all services are not taxed. Because when you have this split, that's when you really get in trouble. And so I would just say, if you're in a state where it's split, you might want to look at your service line and, and just pay attention because it absolutely could turn into an audible thing and, you know, an auditable item and it could not go your way. I've seen it's happening right now in our state. So it, well, it's definitely happened. We're working on a couple in North Carolina and Massachusetts is a total S show too, because of this restrictive versus non-restricted pesticide. Um, So, and when they start to target an industry, you know, right. They, it's right. It's it's all it takes is one to kind of start the start the avalanche, and then they're going to go yeah. and start looking at everyone. Yeah, the, the yeah. other uh, one, which is kind of interesting, is they call it sourcing rules. So you might be in um, a um, you know one of these states um, like uh, uh, Washington State or New York, where you have all these multiple sales tax jurisdictions within the state, right? So a lot of people think, oh, well, my my business is in this town, so all the sales tax is, you know, uh, chargeable to the rate at that town. Well, no, that's not right. Where your technician performs the service, that's where it is. So, like in New York and Washington, you have, uh, I don't know, fifty different jurisdictions that you have to keep track of, and uh, your CRMs uh, are, you know. Uh, uh, pretty good at, 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 if you set it up right at, at calculating all this, but you have to do that. But these sourcing rules are, are um, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you don't uh, uh, source correctly when they come in, then they'll try to recalculate things and, and figure out, um, you know, uh, where the, 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 the services have been performed. So sales tax audits and use tax audits, those I would say are probably uh, the state's biggest source of revenue. Uh, yeah. Federal government, obviously, it's income tax. Um, the payroll tax audits—you only see that uh, where, where when a company's running into trouble and tries to use their payroll taxes as um, you know as as working capital. That's not a good thing. Um, occasionally, you know, you'll have misclassifications, ten ninety nine versus W twos, and things like that. And then we talked about the income tax audits, travel and entertainment, uh, you know, 1099s, that kind of thing. So those those are the three kinds of audits that are most, um, you know, that, that, that uh, are most likely. Um, and, um, you know, those are the areas of exposure that, uh, that, that you look at. The, the thing I would add to what you just said there, Dan, again, I don't know why I'm in a mode of plugging you today. I don't, I don't know. Uh, not, yeah, not but really, yeah, I, you know, as, a, as an ah. owner, right. Ah, as an owner, you need to like, just step back for a moment and just do a little risk management and just understand like, okay, do I really want to get into this game of where I'm going to shave every little penny and is it really worth it? And and the reality of it is that I'm sure most of you are thinking, absolutely not find a, someone that can like look at your business from a holistic perspective, not just like, because you think about it, even a, a company that just does your return and nothing else, 
they really need to be more plugged in than that. They need to understand what's going on because it's very easy for something to slip through. I, it's one of the things I like about PCO, right? Is there's a big, I mean, they've been doing your books the whole year. They've got a system that's set up. They already know, and they're going to give you some good info along the way. And again, it's a shameless plug. I, it, you know, again, it doesn't have to be PCO. Obviously we, that's who I use. That's who I think you should use. But the fact of the matter is that you need someone along the way that understands the story before you make the declaration, if that makes sense. And and I would not, you know, as a, as an owner, this is just not an area that's worth it to me. You know what I mean? Like the, the other thing is like not, doing all the research on these. Uh, yeah. It's just like, it's not worth it, your time. So you, you, you spend more time on sales, making money. However, once you get big enough, like if you don't think that Amazon or, you know, these, these companies don't have whole departments who are just figuring out ways around the tax laws, that's great. But as a small business person, your time is better spent figuring out how to increase sales and efficiency rather right. than trying to find tax credits for hiring right. people out of the inner cities who may or may not be good for your business. Yeah. And, and you're just going to make a lot a more money. Commentary. That's just a, yeah. It's, it's a just a reality. You know? Yeah. You're going to make more money. You're going to find way more money selling more and get more efficient than you are in some, you know, obtuse like regulation somewhere that's going to, you know, give you an extra five or six grand. It's just not worth it. But yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add here for auditing? Dan, I, I tried my best not to get you too uncomfortable in asking you some risque questions, but um, well, I just use you as a um, you know as a uh, as a post, and, uh, poster child. Oh <laughs> <laughs> anyway. right. goodness! So uh, all right, I think that's it for today. All right. Well, just a reminder that else? no, I don't have anything else. I mean, again, I I kind of I said what I needed to say, which is just you know find someone that you know that that knows this stuff and and just have them take care of it. And the main thing is is don't spend your time screwing around with this stuff. It's just not worth it. I mean, the main thing is is use the bigger companies, use someone that can do your return, that knows the bookkeeping, and then you know can put it all together for you, and then just move on. Right? Get go and like start selling more. Start you know figuring out ways to leverage your CRM more. I mean, do go find money in other places because this is certainly not one area that you want to screw around with just because of the risk that's involved. And so with that, just a reminder that all the resources and topics that we talked about today and in all of our episodes are available on our podcast website, pmpinsider.com. Take a look under show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, we appreciate any kind of rating and review that you can give us. We're up on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, yada, yada, yada. If you have complaints, concerns, or if you just outright want to just bitch at someone, Dan's email address is available and we'll also give you his cell number. And with that, we're going to run on. We'll talk to you all next time. Take care. Sounds good. See ya. Bye-bye.